Sorry, Google. <laughs> hey, can we talk about how you went to camp? Please with hire Zuck? me, by the way. <laughs> um, uh, Zuck, yeah, I, yeah, I went to camp with Mark Zuckerberg. Uh, when was that? Ninety, ninety-six, maybe. But there's a pic. There's a, there is a picture of me with him. You guys are like hugging in the picture, which is bonkers. We, I didn't even <laughs> notice it. Someone posted this on Facebook because. You you tell the story. Well, no, well, it's the same thing. Like I, someone posted that, and I didn't even notice that he was in it because it was like a bunch of people that I was friends with at camp, and Mark Zuckerberg was like someone that I sort of tangentially knew. Yeah. at this camp, um, and so I looked at this photo like as you'll do. Like I just kept going back into Facebook randomly and looking at my photos, and like the fifth time I looked at it, I was like, "Who's that guy?" that is standing like two feet away from me. Oh, it's Mark Zuckerberg. And he, not only that, but he'd been tagged in the photo. Yeah, that was So it weird. actually that went to his like main Personal page. page. Yeah. yeah, which was fucking bonkers to me. <laughs> yeah, one of our class classmates from high school was like Facebook's 20th employee. She went to right. Harvard with, with Mark Zuckerberg. And yeah, it was like when... Right. Uh, when his tag profile came up, it was like mutual friends like Alan and this other person and i was like what this is his actual person profile that is weird um yeah anyway raf larger has than life <laughs> no social god, media yeah, whatsoever does, does not care about the god who walks among at us all. <laughs> fuck social media i hate it yeah <laughs> you're on tumblr it's, it's and you a, won't tell any of us your a, tumblr profile no it's and it's i don't even look at porn on tumblr which is apparently the big thing i've never never seen any porn on tumblr huh. but i know, didn't know that that do? was a thing not never but it's rare it's artful porn okay it's like i get it's all my tasteful. porn from info it is <laughs> it is tasteful illustrations of people dressed up as animals <laughs> and their <laughs> monstrously engorged genitals it is should be in the louvre <laughs> it is it is very classy Airplanes, fucking trains. <laughs> it's all Thomas the Tank yeah, porn. Yeah. <laughs> Jesus Christ. I'm it is sure. very classy Nickelodeon grown-up <laughs> nudity. <laughs> oh, God. Yeah. Yeah, we're definitely not off topic now. Okay, cool. <laughs> well, I mean, so one of the things I was sort of interested in... Right. Wait, let me finish my thought here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. totally. <laughs> Please. Getting back to... I just obliterated I mean, every I, thought I've ever had. <laughs> <laughs> Boom. I, this, to me, is the best part of the show. Yeah. It's the best part of life, I yeah. think. So, so what well, around with my, my best friends. With my homies. Buds. You and uh, me together. This, be, this podcast <laughs> should be called Matthews Best reference. Buds. <laughs> I think this podcast like should be called a a ass, Assless Chaps. <laughs> a but no one likes it. Best Buds. <laughs> it means, makes not that much sense. All right, <laughs> like, oh man, what's up, Rastas? <laughs> Welcome to Stonehenge. <laughs> Stonehenge. As in today's episode, we we discuss the history of Purple Haze. <laughs> oh, God, this is. You know that podcast exists. I'm sure that completely <laughs> we all give exists. our ratings for the new strain of sour diesel. Oh God, yeah, exactly. It's like, Welcome to the show, guys. Welcome. Um, today we are going to be talking about Ex Machina. I'm your host, Asher Lack. With me are my co-hosts, Alan Sussman. Hello. And Raf Ruttenberg, ESQ. Hey. 
Also, I forgot that you're a doctor. Dr. Alan Sussman. Yeah. Not that kind a of dirty, doctor. This dirty doctor. <laughs> yeah. Please, <laughs> please stop sending pictures of your medical problems to Alan. <laughs> it is giving him nightmares. Oh, God. All right. Cool. So, um, yeah. Welcome to the show. Oh, God. I cannot wait to talk about this movie. What do you guys think? Uh, I could wait. <laughs> Am I just is turning into I like a morning wait. show? Like, I can't wait. <laughs> it's like just one guy who's like got a lot of energy, and then everyone else is like dying. It's like today we've got Jimmy the Goblin. He's gonna be <laughs> calling people who are hospitalized with dementia. <laughs> oh God! Uh, this, should, this should be a drive time podcast. I mean, the idea is probably like people will drive and listen to it. I, I don't think it's going to make them hammered or anything. I don't know. I don't think people should drive and listen to this. Be safe out there, <laughs> guys. If you're driving, pull over. <laughs> yeah, pull over. <laughs> pull over. Call your rabbi. Hail a cab. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I don't know. I guess. Do you guys want to break the plot down of this movie? No. No, Raph. Do you, do you want to do the breakdown this week, or should Man I? Versus Every time machine, I do it, I get postmodernism. Yeah. Okay. Cool. So, so the plot of this movie is. What's the name of the actor who plays the paunchy red-haired guy? He's not actually paunchy. He's pasty. Yeah. He's very I don't, Celtic I can look it up. I don't know. He's he's English. He was on Black Mirror. He looks like a Liam. Yeah, exactly. His, his name is something. Anyway, it, he plays a sort of like mid-level to higher-level coder at a, a Google-esque company who wins a quote-unquote sweepstakes within the company to spend a week with the founder of the company who's this kind of eccentric... Steve Jobs-esque guy played by Oscar Isaac. Um, and yeah. we can talk a little bit about Oscar Isaac later. Caleb is the... I mean, his name's Domhnall Gleeson. Domhnall Gleeson? Yeah, but his character's name is Caleb. Caleb, like yeah. Like the, the red-haired guy. And then Oscar Isaac plays Nathan. Nathan, right. Yeah. And then... And actually, so so basically, it turns out that the contest was a ruse and that Caleb, the, the pasty red-haired fellow... Um, is actually there to perform a week-long touring test on an AI that Oscar Isaac has created. Uh, the AI is played by uh, Alicia Vikander. And there's only one other real actress in the movie, and it's a silent... Um, I assume it's implied that she's Japanese, sort of maid, and we later find out sex servant of Oscar right. Isaac... Um, I forget who the actress who plays her is. Sonia Mizuno. Nice. All right. Her she name plays is Kyoko. Kimiko. Oh, Kyoko. Kyoko. Yeah. Cool. Um, yeah. So basically, over the course of this week, uh, Caleb tests Alicia Vikander, and ultimately, he and Oscar Isaac sort of have this. How how would you call their repartee? It's like very antagonistic. It's, it's a bit. It's a bit strained, and it was like it felt weirdly forced to me like it really like i just yeah i i just i felt like the uh, the movie wasn't i don't know i had some problems with this movie i i felt like it wasn't really like settling on a rhythm for them or it wasn't really it, you know i agree with you it was it was their interaction was totally weird and also the expectation that that caleb is going to test this ai and and at the end of the week be able to tell Oscar Isaac, whether or not she has intelligence. But then it turned out that wasn't why he was there. Right. We're going to get into that. Right. But like there's no, but at the beginning, as a as a he, viewer, we're not given any sense of structure to the like, okay. Yeah, it's true. It Yeah. 
yeah. Caleb seemed to accept the premise of the movie as readily as the viewer did, and in or as a viewer of a sci-fi movie would, which made it feel a little like unrealistic to me. He was like, "Oh, I'm testing an AI. I'm doing a Turing test. Just so happens that I studied this in college, and not just like this is an incredibly." fucked up weird thing that happens to like that he's just like been slotted into in the middle of nowhere yeah that is it's like i think integral to the part is that he's taken to like a house you know very postmodern looking house uh that's in the middle of basically the wilderness and implies they've been it's like hours into the middle of the wilderness i I assumed it was in like argentina or somewhere like that because the opening one of the opening scenes he's in a helicopter and and he says to the pilot when are we going to be flying over his property and the the helicopter pilot says oh we've been flying over oscar isaac's property for two hours Mm -hmm. yeah so like the yeah the implication is like there's no escape from this place although the movie has a real feeling of a play right in that it takes place in a few rooms of yeah, this house yeah. over a very concentrated amount of time and features very few characters and is just yeah. dialogue. Which is unusual for a sci-fi movie, I feel. Yeah, I thought that yeah, to me was really refreshing. That, that does that. Yeah, I thought, it was, I thought that was really cool. I agree. I thought that that was a really well done thing. Um, but I guess, so some of the things we're going to talk about a little bit today on the show is, uh, I mean, obviously Alan has a lot of expertise in machine learning and machine intelligence. Um, so smart. Yeah. That's that's a lot so of what you do smart. at work. And then, Raph, we're going to talk a little bit about what constitutes an intelligence and what we would hope to get out of making an AI. Uh, <laughs> is that what you want me to talk <laughs> like, about? I, 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 didn't I, just, I had that. sex with a robot, so that's, <laughs> why, that's why I thought you wanted me to come by <laughs> to, share, to share the pluses and minuses. <laughs> no, that was me in a cardboard box painted <laughs> silver, Raph. It counts. <laughs> it counts. It counts. Yeah. Oh, high school. Oh, God. All right. Yeah. <laughs> Um, what oh, goes so, on in Cancun State? <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, so ultimately, in pretty much as in all sci-fi movies, um, the robot realizes that her lifespan is limited and that she's subject to the whims of this sort of capricious creator. And her and Caleb, who have formed an emotional attachment to one another, the tester and, and the robot, uh, formulate an escape plan, which sort of goes wrong and culminates in... Spoiler alert, uh, Alicia Vikander and Kyoko murder Oscar Isaac, and she escapes, leaving Caleb, I assume, to starve to death? I don't know. What do you guys think? You yeah, think I was thinking about that. Um, well, yeah, because you can only live like a few days without water, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. It seems like, yeah, I was thinking about that. Like, even if somebody, because re- he also doesn't have a family, right? Right. They established that. So, like, co-workers might realize pretty quickly, like, where is he? But it probably wouldn't happen fast enough for anyone to rescue him, right? I mean, I assumed that people would notice that Oscar Isaac wasn't making contact with anyone. I, we can get into That's that as true. well. That's true, yeah. So, people would, would go for go after well, I, Oscar Isaac I want to make a faster. point about this whole conversation. And yeah. I, it's, it's not... This is constructive criticism. I find these sort of discussions silly. Because what you're given is what's on the screen. Like, I remember, you know what I mean? It's like, yeah. that's, that's all you get. That's all you get to work with. And like, it, it is interesting that you can like, a movie, I think, succeeds in a way in that it gets you to think beyond just like what is on the film itself and it gets you to sort of imagine a world beyond that. Like, that's intuitively true. But 
I don't think it like I don't think it's like worth spending a lot of no, time I, on. But I think, you know? but I think, I agree. The, no, I think the point is like, because my question is, did Ava leave him to die or not? Right? Like that's a pretty like if if she. I think we don't know. Yeah, that's pretty cold blooded. I I, I agree think with we you. don't. I think we don't know, and that's that's part of um that's that's actually I will say I like that ambiguity is that it, it doesn't resolve with whether you know it, it, it certainly I mean it's interesting that she left him. Yeah, actually, there. let's get into which, that. Which like, I why thought was cool. Do we, why do we think that she left him there at all? I because I'm not it. so sure that I understand why, what her motivation was I have there. a guess, but I think it was also not properly foreshadowed. Like, when it happened, I felt like, oh, there wasn't really any indication that she had any kind of malice. You know, and it was obviously, she understood that to be malicious, but that wasn't hinted at at all. Well, I think she had a sort of, like... You could see that maybe in her personality. Like she did, didn't do anything malicious, but there was like an undertone, right? That she could do something pretty malicious, right? Well, actually, this guess is something I kind of wanted to talk about, which again, we talked about this a little bit in the Matrix episode of like our conceptualization of like a, an, a different type of intelligence, I think is kind of... To me, we always think about it in human terms. And right now we're talking about it in human terms. Where we're like, did she have malice? Was she malicious? And it's like, well, this is a machine intelligence. I mean, I think obviously we're putting a little more thought into this than probably the writers of the film had. No, I don't know. I, like, I think that Oh, but, I but think that the fact that she leaves him is like really important. Yeah, but but the idea of us thinking about it in terms of like, oh, did she have a malicious intent? And it's like, I just think that there's an indifference to the the goings on of, of human beings, right? So it's like... Right, that could be it too. Yeah, it's just Maybe. she has a sort of like the prime directive is, I must save myself. These are the steps I have to take. I don't feel bad. I don't feel good. I don't really feel anything because I'm a fucking robot. So... um by i guess but then so then why at the end does she go to that traffic that intersection right to see other to people watch basically oh, it's like she's interested in in humans right yeah, to, to grow she, more intelligence right i mean that's that's so, the ultimate idea so there's a fair bit of philosophy and allusion to and reference straight up reference to philosophy in this and um one of the most famous things in all of philosophy is plato's allegory of the cave from the republic booyah and so i think that's pretty that was pretty strongly uh uh alluded to there like they they really like you know they painted a picture it's an underground bunker that she's trapped in um you know in the allegory of the cave also the 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 captive's perception of reality is is basically a a backlit puppet show um so hold up for our listeners who don't know the allegory of the cave which, like, again, I mean, this is something that you usually take in Western Philosophy 101. I think we all read it in college. But for those of us who don't know, why don't you throw it throw it down? I'm expecting yeah, for people I'm, who are, like, dumb. You for, <laughs> like, if you... For my, sub, so <laughs> for my subliterate. Form <laughs> words <laughs> easily or... <laughs> if like, you spend a lot of time investing in cryptocurrency <laughs> or... <laughs> right. <laughs> you, yeah. you know, shoot birds at the airport. All right. Go for it. I'm sorry. <laughs> That's... Yeah, I think if you shoot birds at the airport, you're definitely uh, getting arrested pretty quickly. No, I think that's actually a job. Oh, oh, okay. I thought you <laughs> yeah. meant like a hobbyist. <laughs> All right. Okay. Yeah, a volunteer bird shooter. Captain Sully Sullenberger? <laughs> yeah. They had to kill a bunch of geese because of that. <laughs> People shot down a shit ton of geese. <laughs> Arguably, Captain Sully, Sull- 
Captain Sully. Cappy, song, Cappy Sully. <laughs> arguably, Sully was in that situation because some like goose murderer didn't do his fucking job. Argu- arguably. <laughs> was that arguably? <laughs> like It's it, arguably because the geese were there. Therefore, the guy whose job it was to murder the geese forgot to come in that day. So arguably means you're imagining that. That is correct. My mind is making an argument. Uh, Arguably, I'm just about to say stuff. All right. Just kill all birds. So the allegory of the cave. And God, it's so hard to distill these things down. It's so hard to recap this stuff. Should we get your dad in here? Yeah, let's call him up. Um, Get him on the line. Yeah, for the for the for the podcast listeners, <laughs> we- so it's it's story time. Uh, my dad is is actually recently retired, philosophy professor. Oh, really? Yeah, he just retired. Congratulations! Nice. Congrats! I guess I think he's looking for stuff to do. Oh, really? Yeah, he's probably. He should okay. call you more. <laughs> they, call, they call me plenty. Um, <laughs> the basics. Okay, the basic sense of it is that. Socrates in this in this uh, is trying to explain how there are levels to understanding, to knowledge, uh, to wisdom of various kinds that are not necessarily, um, we're not necessarily able to discern. So we are in a way clouded by our own ignorance that we, and I think we, the we is everyone, exist in this state where we can see things that are very, very attenuated uh, distortions and reflections of what could be considered the true state of being. So what he posits is like, well, there's a allegorically there's people who are captive and they're chained to face a wall in a dark underground cave and there's a fire behind them and there's puppets and the puppets act out a show on the cave. And I just, I remember like, you know, in my philosophy class, it's like, is this, te- is this, is he talking about television? It's like, I don't, I don't <laughs> think that that's, so all they see is the shadows of the puppets. They all they right? see is the shadows of the yeah. puppets. And yeah. so then imagine someone being taken out of the cave and taken like, you know, on the one hand they're out of the cave, then they're in the sunlight. And like the distance between what their understanding is of the nature of reality just based on solely, you know, this incredibly fucked up state of existence of only seeing reflections of the shadows of puppets and then being taken up to the light is like, you know, that's supposed to be analogous to, you know, what uh, a greater understanding, a tr- uh, the understanding of the actual truth of things. So I felt that was reflected in this. So circling back around to what she was doing at the intersection, I actually thought was clever. Like I, you know, I'm, I'm I, this movie really like, I like some things about it. I really did not like other things about it. I'm with you. It didn't have yeah. enough lasers. Yeah. You know, I mean, if it's about science, you know. Uh, there were any lasers. That's what I'm saying. There, yeah. Zero. Yeah. Laser, zero, count, la- <laughs> laser count is at zero. zero. <laughs> I think we need to do start laser doing a laser count zero. because I'm pretty sure that there is like a... <laughs> lasers are mark of a good a good film. Yeah, that's. I think that there's like a direct correlation between my excitement about watching a sci-fi movie and the number of lasers in that movie. And also if the lasers, bonus points of the lasers make cool sounds. Like beep, beep, beep. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, so, wait, wait, so just to bring it all back, right? So she, what you're saying she is... Has, yeah. She literally exited the cave. Through through her own daring do and smarts, her her pluckish, uh, you know, can do spirit charm. Yeah, yeah. She uh, she exited the cave. 
she's got a helicopter, which is not part of Plato's Republic. But, yeah, uh, very few helicopters. But then she's she's seeing she's Plato. seeing real people, and I think that's you know the what the the shadow puppets were um, her Turing test interactions. Right. That's it was like an all very sort of artificial form of interaction. Then she knew she was being observed. She knew she was being tested. Now she has the ability to interact with people in in a, in a real way, uh, which is uh, which is sitting at an intersection, and that's right. real people in an interaction, not knowing that she's she's a robo. I that I mean that's a, a pretty killer. satisfying reading of the movie. Actually, I I think that's kind of cool. Thanks. Yeah, I don't know. I wanted to talk a little bit about um, just the idea of the effectiveness of a Turing test. Well, first of all, like. We've already built robots that pass a Turing test, right? Like the one Have that we? was designed by Alan Turing. Cause Is that your dad? What? Yeah. Your dad Alan Turing? Alan, I mean, we've had them since since we were in college. Like there were those stupid AIs that you could chat with on Instant Messenger. Right? Smarter Child and whatever else. There was a Minotaur one, I, I forget. I don't Do those think really pass the Turing test? I, I think, don't, I don't they, think they, they think, did. I think, yeah, the Turing test is basically just that like the difference between interacting with it's it's a so for those of you who don't know alan turing was a mathematician logician um in britain in the i guess what he did he die in the 40s or the 50s he died in the 50s i think okay he died in the 50s but he did the bulk of his work in the 30s and 40s i think he did a lot you know he was the one who cracked the german enigma machine during world war ii um and his theory of artificial intelligence was that if you could design uh, a machine such that uh, an independent tester could interact with a machine and a person behind a screen and not tell the difference between which one it was interacting with, uh, then that machine would have passed his test. That was his test for... I can't say that that's a very effective test for intelligence. It's certainly a test for... Yeah, I was reading about this, and I think it's just sort of like... uh, It was... There was a lot of there were a lot of questions about like whether or not machines can think, whether or not it'd be possible for machines to think, and he just wanted to create an experiment that was like testable, where you could come out with an answer, right? Right. But it doesn't necessarily prove like if a machine's really thinking or yeah. not. Well, no. So essentially, I was like, this obviously is like someone who is limited by the technology of their time, right? So what they're really saying is, you know, at the, at the time they didn't really have any kind of machine that could perform complex tasks in a sort of human-esque way so the idea of oh well if it displays the characteristics of thought it it must be thinking i don't think that was even his implication really because then why would he say that that would why was that his test why is that the 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 name that we give the test i think he just wanted to create a test that would have what you could easily do and would have uh an answer and tell you something right I guess it, to me, it doesn't seem very satisfying. Like that's that's not a real test, right? It's not a satisfying answer. Yeah, like, but what is a real test? I mean, well, that's the problem. And right? I was I was oh, thinking shit. about this on the train, <laughs> and I was doing a little bit of research on this earlier this week. But we can get into that. I don't know, Raf. You said you wanted to talk a little bit about the Turing test. I did not say that. Oh, <laughs> damn it! <laughs> I don't know anything about the Turing test. I know next to nothing about Alan Turing, except that he's Alan Sussman's dad. <laughs> <laughs> I thought it was yeah. Is if it, can a machine pass for human? But you're telling me now and breaking my heart that Alan Turing had nothing to do with that. 
Well, well, no, I guess that would be his test. Is like, yeah, can a machine pass? Well, yeah, that, no, that is his test. Yeah, yeah but, but it's it, not. Is the machine thinking? Yeah, that's a different test. And oh yeah, good distinction to make. Yeah, I mean that's so. So that's there's a philosophical a, question, as I want to right. address later. Yeah, and and that's yeah. I mean that's I think the, the the question at the center of all sort of created intelligence questions, right? Like that's really what's there is like what is the process? How can we test something whether or not it's thinking? And I have some, some ideas on it. I, I did a little bit of research. I, I was wondering. Yeah, we can, yeah. I've been I, doing some research too. Oh God. I, can, <laughs> I None of my research no. led to <laughs> anti-Semitic propaganda or Reddit at all. So I was kind of so disappointed this week. Different, uh, <laughs> you're, different you were doing it wrong. <laughs> yeah. You're going through unreliable sources. <laughs> I know. Usually, like scientific journals. If the word globalist doesn't show up in my research for the week, it's pretty disappointing. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, to to get give a short story that you might want to cut. Um, the reason I suggested this movie was because I met up with my old boss, and he, he was talking about Westworld, and he was like, "I don't uh. ever care about Westworld," but he doesn't care about it for a different reason, which is just like. They never establish anywhere in Westworld that these machine that these robots are actually have anything like a consciousness. Like are they really experiencing or feeling pain, right? And if they don't, then who cares about like what's happening to them? I mean that's I'm not saying I agree with that. No, I, but I'm saying that's his argument. And so so then we start talking about like I think he's identified a, a central uh, tension point in the plot, and that's something that's supposed to that generates drama in Westworld. Like, do, uh, do they actual f- actually feel pain? Uh, is their suffering real? And I think that that drives a lot of the plot. Maybe it's not a the fact that it's not established firmly is part of the plot. Yeah, we should do an episode, mm-hmm. a separate episode on Westworld. I think yeah, I'm a fan. I like I, it. I thought the show. The, I only watched the first season. I thought it was entertaining. Second dropped off a little bit. Yeah, but second into kind of terrible. I would um, say about halfway. I mean, not even halfway. Like in about the third episode of the first season, I was like, "Whoever's writing this has no idea what they're doing. They're just like sewing a bunch of cool shit together, and they're hoping that like people will not." pay close enough attention or they'll be wowed by like each successive crazy well that's because there was multiple timelines i don't think i don't think you can stitch this together i think there's no logic in this show i i promise you like if we if we followed there's it's like the it's borderline schizophrenic wino logic like it is really it's pretty rough i if you stitch together like what's the motivation of each character through the episodes it changes so drastically that it's you can hardly say that any of these characters are the same person. The only thing about it that ties them together is that, that it's the same actor in every episode. I think episode. it changed it changed between seasons in a kind of jarring way. So I would agree with yeah, that. Yeah, but he hasn't seen the second season. He hasn't seen the second season. Yeah. I don't agree with it for the first season. I can't we even can really remember agree. the first season that well. I do feel like the multiple time I didn't really like the multiple timelines like reveal honestly. I didn't find it satisfying. Um but get back on track here yeah okay so so one of the things that i i thought was sort of i was interested to know your perspective on this is like okay so what are some of the tests you you said alan that you were doing research before we so much research (laughs) no no actually no yeah that's just to finish the story the great story i was telling um yeah, so I met my old boss and then he told me about something called integrated information theory, which is like a theory that attempts to explain the properties that a physical substrate has to have in order to 
generate consciousness like in order for it to have consciousness basically the point is that current like computing structures that we have could never be their their argument is that they can never be conscious because of the structure of uh of just the system and the way that information is relayed between different parts of the system you know what i think i saw a little bit about this when we were doing research on the episode for the matrix Mm -hmm. and i was kind of interested in the idea of it because it's like there's some kind of like a bedrock hardware problem that's going to limit this from being conscious but i didn't quite understand why not necessarily ava we don't know what how it was built right they just say structured gel at some point yeah so we don't really know but i mean the theory basically it's pretty preliminary i would say Mm -hmm. and it sort of makes a lot of assumptions and then says there are these properties of consciousness so let's say you had a robot that looked like it was conscious or at least like it was simulating consciousness right like you interacted with it passed the turing test easily you could look at its hardware and determine using this theory is it conscious or or not the way that the hardware works or the way the hardware is made wouldn't mean that it wouldn't be conscious at all because like it's just not the information is being relayed properly like the easy the easiest example maybe is just like imagine like those chatbots but a really good one but all that it really is on the back end is like a decision tree right all it is 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 just like it lists out every possible like question that you could ask it and then it determines like what is the most human-like response to give that's all it's doing that's not conscious no that's not conscious at all right it determines what the most human-like response to give is that sounds no it doesn't determine it it's been it, predetermined. Yeah, it has some some scientists programmed. Like, if you say who farted, then the <laughs> machine says Charlemagne. You know, you know, it, it has some response. But there's good a response. There's a program. <laughs> that's, a good, that's a good that's machine. The, yeah. What are you? What are you going to give that machine the, the most award in response? Best, best best machine award. <laughs> the Nobel machine Prize <laughs> in SAS talk. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, th- that's satisfying to me. It makes perfect sense. So, so essentially, w- what we're saying is like that you can you can judge whether or not something has consciousness based on the yeah. way that no, the it, thing itself yeah. transmits. But it's not very satisfying, right? Because well, it's hang on, hang on. But okay. let's let's just get it because I think <laughs> I'm trying to break this down in my head. So, so essentially, what you're saying is information trans transmission theory. It's like a systems engineering. It's ba- it, the theory is like loosely based on systems engineering. Yeah. So, so, but it's it's basically like you can tell whether or not something is conscious based on the way that that thing absorbs and transmits information. If it's to some degree less complex than the human mind, you can assume it's not conscious. Is mm. that what we're saying? No, no. It's it's that it, it's str- based on the structure. There could I'm be sorry, pretty. Yeah. There could be pretty simple systems. Actually, according to this theory, there could be pretty simple systems that could be conscious, but they need to have certain properties. Ah. So, an what amoeba? are the properties? <clears throat> I don't know about an amoeba. Well, yeah, but we're, we're just what, there's what some. The pr- <laughs> I, I, <laughs> like, no, this is this is legit. This is the question. <laughs> is, is, is I don't know. Conscious? You don't know. I don't know. You've never well, been a slug. Why don't we just well, list I mean, off I some of the properties and then we can... Yeah. Hey, man, it's a part of the cosmos. We'll just fucking microdose some mushrooms. Just think <laughs> yeah. about it a little harder. It's all a fingernail of Quetzalcoatl. What about a mouse? God. Okay. I hate you guys. No, so a mouse much. is conscious. <laughs> yeah. yeah I, I don't know. But well, wait, what are some of the rules of consciousness? So basically, it's saying that relatively simple systems can be conscious or can classify as conscious. And I sort of... I wrote down my own sort of idea based on a bunch of these theories that I read through of like what would qualify as conscious. But I, I'd love to show it to you guys of, and see what you say. I think one of the big things is like um, having, it's being able to cause your next state based on your current state, something like that. Okay. So it's like, 
I mean, we're yeah, getting that, into no, stuff no. that I don't understand that well because I don't really know this theory very well. Well, it's interesting because I was, again, so like, you know, for those of you who don't know us personally, like when I stopped being a musician full time, I started working as a substitute teacher at our old high school. Everyone who's listening to this is going to know us personally. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So anyway. And despise us. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah. What's up, enemies? Um, yeah. So one of the things I had to do was like I had to pass these exams to sort of like qualify out of having to go to graduate school for my teaching certificate so like i had to learn some of the like uh you know what why am i even saying this it, it doesn't matter yeah, like so uh, some of these theories touched on some of the stuff that i read integrated for my theory. yeah because you have to learn about <laughs> theory of mind for your for your like childhood psychology credits Okay. Right. So like I had to learn a little bit about like the way that like develop like the human mind develops or whatever. So this kind of touched on that. And like in reading through the different theories of of what would qualify as a conscious AI, I think there was like strong AI theory, which I kind of liked. But uh, mm-hmm. the kind of takeaway that I got was like, given a set of problematic circumstances, can a machine synthesize a previously unknown solution? So th- there's there's something about the nature of like synthesis within the problem or that's not within the problem, outside of the problem, right? Like, can the machine sort of come up with the idea of information that it hasn't previously been exposed to? Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> All right. What? Okay. That's from theory of mind, you're saying? Well, no, that's, I mean, uh, the theory of mind is is like the sort of genre of theories that these talk about. Yeah, it's pretty overarching. Yeah. So, I guess I'm, I'm asking, can it extrapolate... Um, something for which it has zero input. It has zero building, no building blocks. Exactly. There's what no we, scaffolding attached to this idea or this form of problem. Like, can it? What are we talking about? Well, that's that's the thing. Is it's yeah. all pretty abstract. Right. Right. It, it would be like, you know, if is I is it a golden mountain? Well, it, it would be Ooh, something la la. like you know, if I, I know, asked. Fancy. Donald Trump you know. was on top of that. <laughs> yeah. So that's where do you think he mines the metal that he makes his toilets out of? Like, oh, God. Yeah. So I don't know. I mean, it's something like, you know, if you showed an AI like a river and you were like, you know, how do I stop this water? Uh, would the AI intuit what building a wall looks like? Having never seen, you know, bricks or whatever the thing is. That's what I mean to say. But could person not having been exposed to the concept of a wall and to it that not necessarily not necessarily so then i guess i'm setting the bar a little too high yeah i i think that you i think it makes sense to be very skeptical of of um of claims about what our consciousness can do and actually well but it's okay to set the bar high right like it's a yeah i mean it's better to it's better safe than sorry (laughs) right it's okay to be like this constitutes consciousness like if something can do this it's conscious you know, there could be things that can't do that that are also conscious. But yeah, I wasn't just trying to be a total dick <laughs> going up from <laughs> well, you were. To, to mouse. I wasn't trying to, but I succeeded. Yeah, because I'm really good. Typical ref. I'm pretty okay. good at it. Being a penis. <laughs> so I mean, this is actually interesting because then you get into this gray zone of trying to find an answer to the question of what is consciousness what does it mean to be conscious (laughs) (laughs) can god make a doobie so large he himself cannot toke from it i mean and when you what you get into is this according to ludwig ludwig wittgenstein this oh yeah right and and by the way that they mention him in the movie they do 
they yeah. do mention him and it, it caused a little tingle on my private parts because <laughs> I, 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 so I actually study philosophy undergrad not not overgrad but I really like it and I really like Wittgenstein and one of the things that he one something central to his uh, he doesn't explicitly treat I, I don't want to I don't want to actually say that because he does talk about machine intelligence weirdly enough he doesn't treat it because hmm. he writes when he writes about it, he writes about it in like 1933 or something like that. But one of the central ideas of Wittgenstein, who is a philosopher, one of the things he talks about is what we're talking about. It's like, how are we able to know these things? Like, how are we able to come up, not necessarily with ideas of consciousness, but what the, the meanings of various concepts are? Like, how are, and the concepts that are he focuses on are those that have a lot of application in terms of philosophy. So he was an uh, he was sort of like a systematic overarching philosopher. So Ludwig Wittgenstein was he's a Viennese Jew uh, moved to Cambridge to study with Bertrand Russell in before World War One. And look, honestly, I did not really prepare for this. I'm if <laughs> if I'm, I'm if, this, if I'm wrong about any of this, <laughs> I w- I will happily right, go on the record that. and correct it. I didn't yeah, know Wittgenstein if, worked with. Bertrand Russell. Right. But <laughs> if he, Raph he, is he, wrong about this, tweet all of your anger at Alan. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> at highly affiligent. If anyone yeah. tweets me at all based on this podcast, I'll be happy. Actually, I <laughs> you probably, del- I, probably I, delete I your Twitter. Say you that. probably delete your Twitter. <laughs> shouldn't yeah, say that. Don't say that. Triple parentheses, Alan Sussman. Oh, yeah, God. It, it's interesting. I mean, like, I, I was happy when this movie touched on uh, Wittgenstein. Well, first of all, I mean, there's, like, direct reference and there's some allusion. And this actually some even deeper references to Wittgenstein's thought baked into the movie itself. And it's interesting because Wittgenstein is obviously a very well-known philosopher. Like um, he's like better known than like, you know, Bertrand Russell, even though John Alan, Alan knows. Yeah. And people know the name and he's better known than Gottlieb Frege, uh, Fritz Mauheim, or these very influential philosophers. Like he, Wittgenstein is a name that people recognize. And it's interesting because he sort of sits outside of uh, the philosophical tradition. Like he uh, sort of made it his mission to undermine philosophy. He was one of the great uh, skeptics of philosophy, the whole mission of philosophy, of whether there is such a thing as philosophy and if there is, what can he, what is it even capable of? So that's interesting to me that he's he's like just and he's reflected in this movie he's also really really hard to understand like it, it strains every single neuron um and i've read i think like most of wittgenstein and i don't i don't claim to really understand it it's inc- very inscrutable it's very difficult stuff and uh he actually interestingly he wrote he, one of the first things he wrote the first work he wrote was called the tractatus Logical Philosophicus, which is an incredibly... This sounds like a book you would use right. to like summon witches. No, yeah. I think there is like... <laughs> Some you know, Harry Potter stuff. Yeah. <laughs> the only other Tractatus I'm aware of in uh, in philosophy is the Tractatus Theological Politicus, which Spinoza wrote. So incredibly, it's just, it's already this incredibly pompous yeah. title to name something. And like to name it in Latin, like I don't know what the naming conventions for <laughs> philosophy favors or at the time. I don't think most of them were in Latin. Yeah. You know? Summa Theologica Mathematica. It's like, give me a break. But what he was trying to do with that, it was he was trying to really de- uh, delineate what philosophy was capable of doing. Um, 
God, to try and give like a, a, <laughs> well, a, okay, a short yeah, version. So, 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 so but far you've you basically yeah. just like, yeah. like you've described his life. Yeah, you've given us like a yeah, pretty solid background. About, like, it's like the section at the top of Wikipedia. <laughs> right, Where yeah. it's like, <laughs> Garfield was a cat with a handlebar mustache who murdered most of humanity no. in a space but war. His, no, but I gotta, I'll tell you. <laughs> I'm just riffing. I had caffeine I right before we started, so I am just shredding yeah, it. I, I, made, I, made, I made Asher because he was disappointed they didn't have mexican coca-cola i made him buy a boylan's coca-cola oh man because it had cane sugar in it. how was it by the way it was pretty good but so uh, rather than sort of digging in too hard into who wittgenstein was I wa- wa- where are the references in the movie i want to say his biography actually is important to the point i'm going to make oh cool all right let's do it why. So this is gonna the, be awesome the tra- i just want to say track you asher <laughs> <laughs> fuck this podcast i know what i'm doing I got this. All right, hit it. So he starts off with the Tractatus Logico Philosophicus. Boom. The last line of which is, I'm like, this is his straight out. I'm, I'm like, yeah, I'm. I'm <laughs> this is his the last scene in Westworld. I'm, pa- two. I'm, par- I'm paraphrasing. It's, it's the last. The last line in the Tractatus is um, of that of that which one cannot speak, one must re- remain silent. So his mission is saying here's what philosophy can and can't do and it can't do a lot of stuff it yeah, can't i was do gonna ethics. say a philosophy that we have roundly yeah. ignored <laughs> yeah it can't do ethics it can't do aesthetics can't do metaphysics all that fun stuff but he stops writing after that and he actually goes back to austria and starts teaching children which is an important thing to note he goes and becomes a school teacher for elementary school kids it, teaching is an incredible thing but this, listen to what happens when he starts teaching. He realizes... Never believe what happens. He re- ne- you, will, you are not going to believe. <laughs> Take a deep breath. <laughs> Unclench your bowels. I'm trying. <laughs> just, yeah. just completely just go for listen, it. Listen to this. Just, yeah, just, like, <laughs> <laughs> just dig in. Let loose, all right? Let me, let me into your mind. Let this be your highway let me to just, hell, all let right? Me let me fuck just your mind. On ACDC. <laughs> oh, my God. This is when our cult starts. Let me mind bah! fuck you. Bow, <laughs> bow, Surrounded by Philistines. <laughs> 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 All right. Asher doesn't even like ACDC. That's I the best part. Of this. Okay. Actually, I'm I think coming about, around to that. The thing I like about ACDC is how different all their albums are. You would never confuse like, one album with the other one. <laughs> now, like two of the original members are dead. One of them can't go on the road because he's functionally deaf. Like if he plays another show, so he's functionally dead. <laughs> yeah, and and yet like they're still they're still touring. Like you know they're doing like 150 dates a year. And I'm like Angus, how do you feel about that? It's like are you just like a prop? up corpse that they like put the guitar in your hand and like electrify your body like it's weekend at bernie's <laughs> all right <laughs> they electrify great. his body in that movie no we'll cover it on the podcast okay okay we should do weekend at bernie's by the way yeah yeah so wait what is uh, what does wittgenstein learn when he's teaching elementary school and then we can compare it to what i learned teaching he at our high school completely <laughs> reverses his philosophy and says that he, what he's actually doing trying to dumb this down a little bit or trying to simplify this a little bit you can't he, he, he realized I, I was making a metaphysical claim the entire time by saying that there is a logic a logical language that underlies all metaphysics when in fact all this any philosophical problem whatsoever can be reduced to what he calls language games and so everything is as a result of this language of the language that we speak with each other that the, we we 
form the we intuit these concepts, we form these ideas, however we want to approach this because things are given meaning through our interactions with other people, through social interactions. At one point in the movie, they actually talk about um, uh, Nathan puts the question to Liam or whatever the guy's name is. Pasty Caleb. Face. Caleb. Pasty face. He says, you know, is it possible when, when Caleb is asking him, like, why did you make uh, Ava sexual? Why did you make her interested in sex? And he says, well, can, you know, that's part of human interaction. Like, he, I think the, I'm paraphrasing again. He says something like, uh, is there consciousness without social interaction? And Wittgenstein he doesn't actually get into whether or not this is consciousness. He doesn't specifically treat consciousness, um, the state of being conscious, but he talks about in terms of any kind of philosophical investigation, any any answer that we might have, including those about uh, the state the state of the mind, I guess you can assume, uh, has to do with uh, the language that is the language games that are formed through interaction with other people. And it's just a matter of understanding those that huh. get to that. So, uh, so, so then the movie definitely directly interacts with a lot of these ideas. Yes. He goes so far, this is what I think is most interesting. In the Blue Book, which is actually an unpublished published work, which the name of the company is the is Blue Book, the Facebook right. reference, oh. but also it's a Wittgenstein reference, huh. an unplu- unpublished notes of his. He actually uh, spent a significant amount of time talking about how he is totally rejecting this Descartes Cartesian idea of the self uh, of I cogito ergo sum knowing that I exist and that what when you say I what it actually means I I think therefore I am exactly he says that's wrong when you say I what you're actually doing is just referring to a body which is interesting yeah because every because Hmm. all these questions are reducible to the kinds of language games that we that we come to through social interaction there is no I beyond there is no internal language. There's only the external language referring to things by their externalities. Isn't that interesting? And then that's and that's a conduit to get to AI. Yeah, I thought well, that was kind of cool. That that's a very interesting idea. And again, I I think it's it's something that jumps back to this sort of problem that I often have with this sort of conceptualization of AI in movies, which is that it it always feels really limited by the sort of uh, human scope of it, like we're going to make this thing that is theoretically smarter than us and we're going to put it in a box that looks like us and we're going to give it all of the sort of characteristics of us. That seems so silly to me. Like if we were really to design a higher intelligence, I think that we would design something. I mean, I can't, again, it's, it's a really hard idea to conceptualize. It's a really hard thing to sort of think about. If you think about it from, if you think about it in this context and you think about it jumping off of, I just want to emphasize Wittgenstein did not really talk about this, but if you jump off from those ideas, how, how something that has this very refined ability to take in social data and formulate its, whatever you want to call it, whatever, whatever its output is based on that social data, wouldn't that really resemble consciousness in, in, in a very real way? Wouldn't that be consciousness? I don't know. I mean, that's a good question. Are you saying that there is no difference between a simu- I mean, are you suggesting there might be no difference between consciousness and a simulation of consciousness? I think so. And I, 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 I mean, look, enough look do I subscribe what to that? that I don't know necessarily, but I think that it's interesting that that's, you can, you can use Wittgenstein to arrive at that, which I, which, which I found interesting. But the thing that really kind of made me poop a little bit was that Wittgenstein actually talks about the idea of can a machine think? That was one. That's a question he postulates a couple times in this blue book, huh. which and I was like, 
oh, this is wild. Because this was written, in, I checked. I looked in the inside flap of, of my copy, and I was like, this was written in 1933, or dictated, I guess, in 1933. Was, there, was the word computer even around in 1933? I ask you, Alan. <laughs> Look at me. I, As the inventor of computers. I think it you was. Want a, you want a computer, right? <laughs> No. I assume you're an expert. You don't Actually, own a computer. No, no, no computers. No computers. I never cool. use computers. Uh, I think it was. Okay, so there, there's sort of two things you're talking about here, but but a little bit to the idea of like what would uh, a consciousness, sort of a jailbroken consciousness look like? Like something that was actually, instead of locked in one body, was this sort of larger, sort of expansive thing. Right. I mean, isn't is that at all what you're talking about here? Or am I am I sort of to the side of the point? No, I think, you know, all these things are adjacent. Um, and to, to really try and paraphrase, I, I'm sorry, I keep saying this, to try and paraphrase Wittgenstein is so difficult. But just like the idea that um, everything is in some way, uh, all, all, any any kind of like philosophical question we can have that is is tied into the language, the problems of language, which is in itself part of a game that we play that is played amongst people so there's many different kinds of language the languages things have familiar representation to each other um i forget your question i'm sorry well no so so essentially what i was thinking is like what's what's interesting to me is like the idea of a of a jailbroken consciousness oh, something or that's consciousness greater that than than a human consciousness is, is not tied to a body it starts so, to bend into almost, and I, I don't mean to sort of steamroll you, but it starts to bend into this idea of almost, it's very Eastern to me. Like it, it almost feels like we're talking about Shinto, where we're talking about like the consciousness of the stone, the consciousness of the river, the consciousness of all of these, sort of like a, the greater sum of the things around us. I don't know. Again, um, maybe I need to stop microdosing mushrooms, but you know, that was sort there of where my... I already made that my, joke. Well, yeah, I was throwing only one, back only one, only one microdosing joke per podcast. <laughs> only one joke no, per no time callbacks. you microdose. Yeah, no callbacks. Yeah, all right, podcast. fair enough. Um, no, but I, I think those are actually they seem to be slightly different things. I mean, these are like things that we keep returning to when we t- when we watch these movies about AI. One of which is like you know the simulation of AI. How 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 can one distinguish? And again, this is the whole Westworld thing. How can one distinguish? Uh, a simulated consciousness versus a real consciousness or whatever that means versus what we accept as a real consciousness. And then like, what is, what are the outer limits of consciousness? Like what is something like, you know, it really just, it, cause it begs the question if there's a computer and computers have more, I think com- computational power than the, hu- than the human mind does. I, I think, I don't know. Is that true? We got a lot of neurons, but we can't do a whole lot with them. Yeah, Alan, anyway, wait, uh, Alan, Alan's giving me a look. Does a computer have more computational power than a human mind? I have no idea. What about a MacBook Air? <laughs> I mean, I think the human mind is can do way more parallel processing. I think than a normal computer. What about Atari? <laughs> um. God. Okay, so Super Nintendo Wait, Sega there's Genesis. so many there's so many ideas floating. There there's so many, so many interesting ideas yeah, so many floating, okay, floating around to right pivot now. off of some of these interesting ideas because no, I don't know that we're necessarily going to get answers to them. Wait, so Alan, <laughs> <laughs> are you okay? Great transition. <laughs> oh God. <laughs> so Alan, you were talking to me. <sighs> I hate you guys. <laughs> I'm also Blue up. Very disappointed that in my research for this episode, I found zero conspiracy theories. Like, 
I, I'm interested. Hmm. I, I sure, I'm sure, you know, and also <laughs> listeners out there, you can tweet at me if you've got any cool AI-related conspiracy theories. I'm always down Especially to check those out. Especially if you're alt-right. Tweet at Asher <laughs> if you're alt-right. Oh, God. Please don't. He's a Jew. <laughs> we say triple parentheses in this house, Raph. Okay, he's a triple parentheses. Yeah. Um, mm. But, Alan, you wanted to talk about the way that big data was used to formulate the intelligence in this, which I thought yeah. was interesting. Yeah, I don't know how much I could talk about it, but, like, I mean, they, they kind of, like, allude to it, but he says that he needed to figure out how to get, like, uh, Nathan says he needed to, get, to figure out how to get Ava to understand facial expressions, and he couldn't figure out how to do it, so he turned on every cell phone, every device with a camera in the world... <laughs> to record everyone's facial expressions. Of course. So that it could so that Ava could learn facial expressions with all that data. It's a tremendous amount of data, right? Yeah. And I think and also he uh Nathan is the founder of Blue Book, which is a Google like organization that has a tremendous amount of data themselves, right? So I think the the implication I mean it's basically said is that Ava is trained off all this data. Right. Like basically, the way that it figures out how to mimic a human or or essentially be conscious is just by being trained off of all this behavioral data that Google has. That, sorry, Blue Book has. Whoops. <laughs> Oops. <laughs> so I think I, I think I finished my point, but I think everyone knows where I'm going with this. But the point is... Like blue book, insane amount of data. This is what they use to train Ava, right? Yeah. Um, it's just the insane amount of behavioral data that we have. And that actually makes a lot of sense, right? That like, and most movies don't really hit on that. Like they just assume like you can build an AI and make it seem incredibly human. I mean, the easiest way to do that is to have an insane amount of data about, right. about actual human behavior and train it off that, right? Right. Train it to mimic that. So I thought that was like a really cool idea that i hadn't really seen before yeah Yeah. that makes a lot of sense to me as well i thought one of the one of the sort of questions that i had about that and i don't know if you guys feel this way but like obviously you know we're putting out a ton of data into the world every day some of us less than others raf you don't have a social media profile or whatever but i always think about like and and like alan since you're a data scientist I wonder, I know that there are things about me, like obviously I have a collective profile. There's like an image of who Asher, the the internet user is. But like, I wonder what are the main substantive things that are really difficult for them to anticipate in the data world? Like meaning anticipate in what way? Well, anticipate in terms of like, like, you know, I, I know that like, you know, based on your relationship status, it, it anticipates you know, whether you want to see ads for weddings or whether you want to see ads for diapers or whether you want to see, mm-hmm. you know, I know I see obviously a, like a ton of ads for guitars. That's what shows up in my feed all the time. Um, but I was just sort of like, I wonder what what aspects of our lives are really hard for them to predict. And, and maybe there's no answer to that. I don't know. It just I don't know. I mean, lots. I mean, I remember, have you ever done that thing on Google where you can see what age and gender it thinks you are no you haven't done that no, you should I try it huh. so tell us what do you uh, think you were so it thought that Eight, i was 80, uh, 87 year old yes it thought i was a woman over 65 and and someone and else uh wait, is said, it told me that of how too. much hand lotion you look up it could be hand <laughs> 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 
it's, a, it's kind of incriminating. Did you, no, did you look up menopause symptoms? <laughs> like, oh, I mean, God. Where I was going with this is that it, it does correctly know my age and gender now. So okay. I'm thinking the algorithm got better, maybe. Well, must Maybe have. it got more data on me because I don't clear my cookies ever. Um, Should I do that? Um, if you like the ads you get, no. So the point I was trying to make with that is that there are algorithms that are trying to determine who you are and some of them actually aren't that good and they seem to be maybe getting better over time. Um, that's one thing. Another thing is like cross device usage. So like there's a big thing in the ad industry, which I work in, um, maybe other ones, probably other industries too, of trying to tie usage on multiple devices together right so like facebook can do this pretty easily because you have to log into your facebook on every device that you're on but if you're trying to use like if you're based if you're only using like cookie information for example it's like impossible because the cookies on your computer are different from the cookies on your phone right so you need to try to tie them together in other ways so this is like kind of a big um it's just something that's that's hard a big problem that people are trying to solve huh uh that's that's really interesting. I mean, yeah. You think they're gonna solve it? Um, I mean, there are, yeah, there are ways. To solve, there are already companies solving it. I mean, basically, what you end up with is prob- with his probabilistic graphs. So, like, it basically tells you like this device is tied. We think that it's tied to like these maybe ten other devices, and it might give you like a probability that that it's it's true. Yeah. Ooh. So, and again, this is, I guess this is the big thing about, about like data stuff, right? Is like when, when I asked before about like what aspects of the human personality do you think big data misses based on our online profiles or whatever? Really yeah. what I'm asking is like, I think that we can obviously have a tendency to miss the forest for the trees. The perfect example of that is like the Trump election, right? Is like, Nobody mm-hmm. actually thought that that was really going to happen, and the data made it look pretty minimal, at least you know from yeah. any kind of rational perspective. And yet, somehow, in hindsight, it becomes so clear that like really we were missing the forest for the trees, right? I, I think. I mean, maybe not. You can argue that obviously Comey swayed it or whatever. But I, I, I just wonder, like, if we were to feed an AI based on big data or data i never know how to right. say right okay that's an interesting point right it's like so it's sort of like we have all this behavioral data on people and we try to build an ai off of it but it would be a totally it would be skewed view fucked. of yeah it was also there was a twitter bot it would be that was based oh yeah trained, Wait, yeah right it, Do you there remember was a that? twitter bot that became, that became a neo-nazi, neo-nazi right because yeah. yeah because that was <laughs> what it understood was like the common lexicon of speech based on Twitter. Yeah, so it was to just me, all this speech. That, I mean, I guess there must be a lot of neo-Nazi stuff on Twitter. Yeah, I, 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 I don't. I think there's just a lot of a lot of it happening. It was train up it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so I, I don't know. I mean. So that yeah, that's a good me, point, and it's also like the sort of um, fake version of ourselves that we that we present to the world, right? right exactly. So like, it'd be you yeah, know, like everyone like if you I know trained it off Instagram. Yeah, it'd, it'd be, be like, insane. Everyone is a millionaire. Like, yeah, yeah everyone's, everyone's having the just best traveling time. all the time. <laughs> yeah, like what? eating great food and <laughs> going to see awesome bands. This would be fucking upbeat, not like some like shitty downer <laughs> t- Twitter Twitter super intelligence. Yeah, uh, just like they full, are of, like, full of meanness, spite. They are like opposites, basically. It's like Instagram is just like everyone presents this incredibly positive image of themselves, 
and Twitter is just like hate speech at this point. <laughs> <laughs> I, that's I can't really. I go on Twitter. I I posted about this on Twitter recently, where I was just like, I'm only on here to follow the original cast of Mad TV. <laughs> that was like, I was just like, I can't. Speaking of which, you uh, Asher, you had some proposition about Nathan, the character Nathan. Well, I, I, think I just. Isn't, oh yeah. Kind of getting into no, you start. No, I, I just thought that he was so Nathan, the character played by Oscar Isaac, who's sort of this. I would say he's he's like a like a I wouldn't say a, what's the opposite of proto like he's a pretty Arch? easy descendant no. of Steve Jobs oh. like to me it seems like if Steve Jobs is sort of like the the platonic ideal of the tech like the woke tech like new world order thought process I'm really saying a lot of insane <laughs> shit here yeah, basically if gibberish <laughs> yeah, that was yeah, fun yeah, to listen to but like it was a Lyndon like LaRouche pamphlet yeah it's like <laughs> <laughs> when, when talking about like, post-Roosevelt-ian neo-transhumanism okay, exactly like, the fuck are you talking about that sounds yeah. like a most syllogistic mo- Pangean you know <laughs> crypto thunkianism it's just like what the <laughs> fuck like, is did, that did you read that off a bottle of dr bronner's like what the fuck is happening <laughs> Man, dr bronner's is coherent <laughs> as shit compared to <laughs> Lyndon larouche actually i actually picked up a pamphlet like back in 2004 from Doctor Bronner's. Oh, from Doctor <laughs> Bronner was handing out. Yeah, Doctor Bronner's people handing out pamphlets. Did yeah. you know that the Doctor Bronner soap used to advise you <laughs> that if you if to use it as a contraceptive, you could like douche with it after sex? Wait, really? <laughs> Back in the seventies, and whoever was in charge of making that not happen in the government was like, "That's not okay." Yeah. Back when so. we had a government that enforced laws, it was it was just like. Yeah, you can't just like sell us right, right Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Now they'd be like, well, you know, that's their religious liberty to tell people to douche with their soap. So, <laughs> oh, God. it's all religious liberty. Everything yeah. is religion oh, that white people man. do. Yeah, white, oh, the white religion. Shit. Yeah, you know, it's funny. Once on tour, <laughs> actually, in in Seattle, I remember we were like, I, we must have had an off day and gone to like Pike's Place Market or something, and there was a dude with with a giant sign that said it's time to enforce the 26th amendment. And this must've been in like 2010 or 11. And I was like, I don't, you know, I know the bill of rights pretty decently, or I, you know, I know the amendments decently, but like, which one's 26. And I looked it up and that's the one formalizing the line of succession. And I was like, that makes no sense at all. And so I like went back and I was like, are you here to, campaign for Lyndon LaRouche and he was like thank god you found me (laughs) I've been waiting for that yeah he's like here's some literature you've got to you've got to spread the word it's just like oh my god and it was just like the pamphlet was about like stop stop the government from suppressing magnet trains and it's like (laughs) trains they're really into magnet trains which is like that's a dope idea I'd be into magnet trains I fucking love the idea but then they sort of they they run they really run with it in a way that's really hard to parody yeah the Cheney equals Wolfman it's you know I mean it's getting into David Icke territory listen this is obviously equals Wolfman yeah I really I can't even begin to unpack what that means (laughs) but uh, so uh, okay so, uh, independent of all this, which we'll put so, in a cold open, I disagree. <laughs> I totally disagree with you on this. That that this guy Nathan is in any way uh, an archetypal tech guy. I think he actually is a much more old school, um, vil- like scientist mastermind villain. I think that they've sort of like I think he's a taken, combo. I think they've taken that and sort of adapted it somewhat. That character archetype and adapted it a little bit to. Uh, you know, contemporary times with the fact that he owns like you know, and they work into they work into the story very well, but 
you know, when I think about these people like smart smart I, I Zuckerberg. I don't necessarily just to pause and, you real quick, yeah. I don't necessarily think that those two things are mutually exclusive. And I feel like he is a tech bro archetype in certain ways, but He's such but a fucking not, crypto bro. But not, yeah, he doesn't remind me too much of like the big CEOs either of like any of these companies, right? Like Jeff Bezos isn't even like a, isn't like a coder, right? Like he's just a dude who started a company that sells you stuff, right? Like I, I Steve don't Jobs know is like Bezos's a big marketing guy. Origin like, story. Like his whole thing is like, like making it shiny and like, so you can market it. To, like like building a brand right like it that's was, his whole thing right yeah well it was it was making something that was aesthetically pleasing or like who are the nerd billionaires i want names like zuck maybe Mr. actually zuck. I, I feel like zuck smart, smart zucker i have a frightening billionaire that i didn't realize i knew and had been to one of my shows uh this dude justin tv who he's a billionaire yeah guess what site justin tv became homie what twitch Oh what? Yeah, Justin TV is Twitch. Really? So yeah. So he p- he pivoted to video well, game. Well, no, like, he just pivoted to the idea of online. Like he was the one. Who, so Raf doesn't know this, but like I don't fucking so know my going on. my old bandmate Abe, uh, his when we played in San Francisco one time, and his classmate from high school, this dude Justin, came to the show, and after the show, we kicked it at the bar. And Justin had a camera in his hat that he was constantly broadcasting his entire life. And he was like, I know it's kind of whack, but like, you know, uh, it's this site that I do. And like, it actually is, it pays for my life. It pays for my house. Like, it's pretty cool. Um, And when I got back to the hotel and, you know, this again, this was like 10 years ago. So this was when MySpace was still really kind of at the top of its game. In the hour that Justin and I had been kicking and drinking, we got something like 2000 hits on our MySpace page, which was crazy then, right? Um, yeah. you know, this was before the, the internet was sort of like this on ten, your phone. 10 years ago? Yeah, this was in 2007, was I think. Okay. So oh 11 years ago. Yeah. We played at, I think it was Edinburgh Castle in, in the Tenderloin. Um, oh yeah, I've been there. Yeah. It's pretty cool. Um, Is yeah. Right? Yeah. So anyway, but yeah, so this week Sam was like, oh yeah, you know, Justin from Justin TV that you hung out with that time all those years ago. Yeah. He, he sold his site for, it's now Twitch. I don't know if he retained like retained ownership or something like that. I don't know if he's a billionaire. But you want to tell our audience what Twitch is? Uh, Twitch is a platform where basically, you know, my high school students stream themselves playing video games. <laughs> That's that makes money. Yeah, Holy makes fuck. a lot of money. Yeah, it makes a lot Holy of money. Fuck. It's like probably like the fourth used site on the internet. Wow, now. I think we're more doomed than I realized. <laughs> yeah. Oh, forget it. It's like you know. Uh, have you heard repent. Post Malone? <laughs> like when I listen yeah. to that, I'm just sort you of heard like six nine man. Yeah, the end is near. Yeah. Oh God. Um, it's so all over, baby. Yeah, I I don't know. Also, like the Oscar Isaac thing is crazy to me. I think he fucking kills it in this movie. Yeah, I think he's pretty great. Yeah, well, I, it was I a good acting. All did around, you guys not love that dance scene? You I not think that that was loved awesome? The dance scene. <laughs> I fucking love the dance scene. Yeah, he, his moves were pretty right. I, I I appreciated that on a very... That was very Lynchian. Yeah. yeah it was so strange. It yeah, it was great. Yeah, it was... It, need, it honestly needed more of that. Yeah, you guys didn't get like a, a sort of like... I'm trying to think so of who... I, which I, tech bro billionaire I, I put down is. like... A, I wrote a couple notes on this. So there's one thing that he says, which is like... Like, he does a lot of stuff, I think... And maybe he does it throughout the whole movie. It's just his personality. But there's a lot of things he does like at the beginning when you meet him that are very like 
archetypal like tech bro archetypal tech bro stuff like he's just like he's like um like he's just like hey i know you're you're really intimidated to be next to me but can we just get past that man hey, can we just be real <laughs> be real with each other in my in my billion dollar yeah exactly Frank Lloyd Wright pod in the middle of my argentine wilderness <laughs> uh expense expense right also he's sweaty as fuck which is gross <laughs> i kind of you know, dug you that you can't chill with someone if they're just like stinking and and not wearing a shirt and just with that giant beard where i'm like oh god he just he disappeared into this role i thought he fucking killed it yeah if he really disappeared i mean you know obviously i have a ton of angst (laughs) towards tech stuff just because of the way that they sort of like eviscerated the music industry in the sort of not on purpose necessarily but like just in the name of progress where they're like well yeah you guys are a dinosaur of an industry and it's like yeah well we were an industry that created a lot of jobs and now there are artists like myself and like many, many other people that I sort of came up with who like, you know, let's say if I have 4,000 monthly listeners on Spotify, you know, my top tracks probably have a few hundred thousand streams. If that was translated to record sales, that would have been a different story. Like, you know, but uh, anyway. We're doing endorsements today because I do have an endorsement. Okay. Does yeah. Should we should we do endorsements and then call it? I, I, I would love to do that. Yeah, I think... All right. I think we're done. All right, cool. Yeah, we can do it. Yeah, I think we're good. All right. Would you should guys we- recommend this movie, by the way? I would recommend it. I... I let me tell a very brief story about me watching this movie. So I, I saw this originally on a plane and I really liked it. I also didn't, wasn't able to watch the last 20 minutes oh. because the plane landed. Fair enough. <laughs> <laughs> and so I rewatched it, did not like it as much this time. And I think the biggest thing for me was just, I thought it was cool. I thought it was cool that they presented it as like, we're going to test whether this, being actually has consciousness or not like i felt like it was presented in that way and it doesn't address that at all right in the end you you really don't know like you know because it's a really hard question to answer right so but but i still think it's a cool movie and worth seeing definitely awesome i want to endorse top of the lake season (laughs) two china girl i don't what's top of the lake top of the lake is a um australian series cool uh the star is elizabeth moss who's fantastic yeah and uh they've had two series one was set in new zealand one was set in australia and they are i think as good as crime procedurals get oh cool and they are really super upsetting oh that sounds good very upsetting Um, what about this movie would you recommend recommend the movie no like would you like you would rather someone didn't see it than see it i'd say if someone had a predilection for seeing this I'd say if it's on, watch it, whatever that means. <laughs> yeah. I don't think that means anything yeah. anymore. Yeah, it doesn't. I, I feel like my threshold of endorsement is like, if it's a movie where I'm starting to watch it and I'm like, oh, Carolyn, you should watch this movie, then that's like a pretty ringing endorsement. I don't know that I could endorse this movie. Hmm. It's right. Like, there are a lot of people who probably wouldn't like this movie, this movie. I would it's say. It's fine. I mean, I like the dancing I liked a lot. it. Yeah, I, th- Thanks I for thought it me was that. like yeah. good. I thought it was a, would have been a good play. Like, had I seen this on a stage, I would have been excited by it. I think that it was a movie. Hmm. They needed special effects to make it fun, though. Really? Yeah. I think they could have made the it without effects special effects. Like, I don't know. I didn't. The, the special effects were so... stuff was pretty cool looking. Ah, that, to me, was pretty minimal. Like, I thought that had this been done on a stage, it would have been more impactful. So, my endorsement is... Um, I don't know if I, if I should endorse this, but I'll just go with it. It's yeah. Electric Dreams. It's a show on oh, Amazon. Oh, cool. Um, and it's kind of hit or miss, unfortunately, but it's, uh, a series of, uh, it's a lot like Black Mirror. Like it's a, it's a series of episodes and each one's 
separate separate story but each one is based on a philip k dick uh, short story um so a lot of like motifs like uh surveillance state right and not being able to necessarily tell whether something is human or not and it doesn't doesn't matter you know yeah what's real what's not a lot of that stuff like really kind of like hits on that a lot and it's pretty hit or miss unfortunately I i think it kind of in my opinion it gets a little bit worse i think the first episode is quite good i think it gets a little bit worse as it goes on um you know and there's a lot of good uh actors in it too like a steve buscemi's in one and he's awesome he kills it nice um like there's a lot of a lot of like pretty big names in it actually um so yeah i mean i love philip k dick i just gave sam uh a copy of um men in the high castle which is like such a I would say that's probably like one of my favorite sci-fi books that and Neuromancer probably are like at the top of my sci-fi list. Um, yeah, cool. So for endorsements this week, I got a music one. Um, there's a record that one of my bandmates gave me a CDR of in 2006 or seven, maybe eight. Um, and for like, I would say for like a year or two, it was like the record that I listened to every night after we played because like it would just, my head would be so loud and ringing and I'd want something to sort of take it down a notch. Uh, and the record's called Color Green, and it's by this woman, Sybil Bayer, B-A-I-E-R. Incredible record. Yeah, it's such a good record. Singular. Yeah, it's it's an amazing album. I'm shocked that nobody knows about it. Uh, this record was made in the 70s and then sat in her attic for like, you know, 15 or 20 years or something. And then Orange Twin put it out in like 2006. Anyway, it's a wonderful record. Um, yeah, and that's my endorsement. I just, I re-downloaded it on Spotify this week and was listening to it because I was on a train from Boston to New York. And it was just a nice soundtrack. How was Boston? Boston was all right. Boston was cool. I don't know. I don't believe you. I, I had they, the... Did they have any sports teams there? <laughs> no, I didn't see any. I went to see Moulin yeah, Rouge, the musical. Yeah, I don't think they so, like sports. No. It's weird. I, yeah, I don't think you they think, like sports. You think I don't think there's any issues with New Yorkers there. Yeah. Do they have any cream pies there? <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. All right. You got a cream pie right here. <laughs> oh, God. oh, God. Thanks so much Good for night, tuning into the show, guys. Um, you can follow us on Twitter. I'm at Asher Lack. At Highly Affiligent. <laughs> <laughs> Raph. Uh, the fake Donald Trump. It's a parody account. <laughs> I, I parody stuff like, uh, you know, Kefefe. <laughs> uh, I talk about how he's orange. It's pretty fun. It's pretty good. Pretty biting satire. All right. I've been retweeted by... Uh, very relevant. By Rachel Maddow. Yeah. All right. Awesome. Thanks so much, guys. Until next time. Take it easy. Bye-bye. <laughs>